Yeah, I'll, I'll just start with prayer and then uh, and then I'll turn it back to you for a moment. First of all, good morning, uh, fellowship, body of Christ. Uh, let's pray together. Father, again, I thank you that nothing we're dealing with, including all the the changes and having to go through this technology, Father, none of this intimidates you. None of this shakes you up. None of this puts you on edge. Father, that you are thoroughly sovereign and you are thoroughly in love with us as your sons and daughters. And so, Father, we gather our hearts together and I, and I thank you that this supernatural gathering is real in your presence. We gather together in the name of Jesus Christ as the body of Christ to continue carrying out your purposes. So, Father, all of us in agreement, we invite your Holy Spirit to be speaking to us. We invite your Spirit to be teaching us. We invite your Spirit to be comforting us. We invite your Spirit to strengthen us. And, Father, what we choose is that we are paying attention to you. We're paying attention to you, Father, the living God. We're paying attention to you, Jesus, Lord and head of this body. We're paying attention to you. And I thank you that you are faithful to speak to us. And we agree on this in Jesus' name. Amen. And back to you, Stephen. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do the reading for this morning which is Luke 8, 22 through 25. Um, I'm not going to have it up on the screen for you this morning, um, so uh, you can read along in your own Bibles or, or just listen. Jesus stills the sea. Now, on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat, and he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep. And a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake, and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. They came to Jesus and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped, and it became calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Amen. Well, and some of you uh, may remember last uh, week after we continued looking at, at more of uh, God's teaching and examples in Scripture for how we pray in a way that fits his heart, that fits his passions, that fits his desires. Uh, we closed the sermon just looking very briefly at a few things concerning fear. Uh, and just different contact, different conversations with uh, different members of the fellowship through the week. And, uh, and obviously in the counseling office with people all through the week as well. Um, I, I think it's wise for us to spend a few more minutes uh, together in our thought and meditation and prayer. Uh, really comprehending more of the heart of God on our behalf in the face of fear. And so. Uh, there's no bulletin in front of you, but if Jody had made her give her a sermon title uh, for the bulletin, it would have been this. 
a larger vision in the face of fear. And one of the things we, we will apply that, that mindset to of trying to gain a larger vision of God's faithfulness and power and a larger vision of God's purposes for us through this time. So it's no strange thing for us to just recognize that the situation is bizarre right now. Um, out of the coronavirus, out of all the changes to work and economy and income and health and safety and so many things that are impacted right now that one of the things we get to look at is what did the heart of God in anticipating the fact that we would be dealing with what would God's heart as a father want us to be noticing and paying attention to right now? And the passage that Stephen read, Luke 8, uh, and again, no, no deep super uh, rocket science of Bible interpretation here. The disciples were looking at the storm, and it says they were terrified. Uh, they weren't just concerned. They were terrified. And it's also interesting that um, if you look at verse 30 and um, um, verse 23 out of Luke chapter 8, it says this, their boat was beginning to be swamped and to be in danger. And one thing I like about that is that God is recognizing in the natural realm, they were in danger. They weren't exaggerating the situation. The situation itself was genuinely dangerous. Their boat was actually being swamped. And they were looking at that. They were immersed in the awareness of that dangerous situation. And at least they had the wisdom to go wake up Jesus. Now, very seriously, uh, you and I never have to do that. And, and you know that, but I think this is worth recognizing in our prayer life. We are never going to wake up Jesus. Jesus is now ascended, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And Romans 8 says that he always intercedes for us. He's already awake. He's already attentive. But what they did was they looked at the storm. Then they had the wisdom to wake up Jesus. And Jesus simply speaks authority over the storm. And calm is restored. And one of the things we see in, in the disciples is they're amazed. And they're, they're asking this question. And Matthew and Mark uh, and Luke all have a, a different um, way of saying this. But here in Luke, it says, they said, who then is this? And I believe it's Matthew that says, who is this man? That even the wind and the seas the winds and the waters obey him. And we're not dealing with winds and waters right now. We're dealing with, with something blowing across the planet that looks a lot more dangerous to us than wind and water. And yet we get to recognize that the one we're dealing with is already awake and he's already attentive. And the difference for us is that God's saying, you know what, for just my sons and daughters, for just my sons and daughters, he does not promise this to the world. For just my sons and daughters, I have the power and the authority to speak peacefulness to those who rely on me. 
to those who choose me and trust me. And there was another moment in scripture for uh, a young man by the name of Job. And uh, most of you, maybe all of you are very familiar with his story. And it was tragedy after tragedy and loss after loss and scary situation after scary situation that washed over his life. And he complains at God. He, it doesn't make sense to him. He pours out his heart to God. But in the same way that the disciples went to wake up Jesus, one thing I love about Job is that in all his turmoil, all his confusion, even his anger, he went to talk to God. He didn't turn to another source. And I love in, in that passage of Job, after he gets through pouring out all his complaints, and we won't even talk about all the silliness that his, that his friend spoke, but he pours out his complaint to God. And then for, three, for four chapters, chapters 38, 39, 40, and 41, and again, I know some of you are very familiar with those chapters, where God pours out back for Job, not an explanation. He, he literally never explains to Job what's going on behind the scenes in terms of the specifics that Job is dealing with. But what God does is he casts for Job a larger vision of who God is. He casts out for Job a larger vision of the power and the sovereignty and the reach, the unchallengeable power and sovereignty and reach of the God that Job belongs to. And I look where Job, after hearing all that in chapter 42, Job makes this confession. He says, I've declared things that I didn't understand. I've spoken about things that were too wonderful me, too wonderful for me, which I did not know. And so Job says this, he says, now you will instruct me. I've heard you by my ear, by my hearing in the past, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. And again, for you and I and the challenge that we have as sons and daughters of God, Job was not repenting of sin. God had already declared that he was wonderfully delighted with Job's life. Job was repenting of a tiny vision of God compared to the larger reality. Job was repenting of wanting God to answer him and wanting God to make all his purposes understandable to the mind of a man. And Job repents and turns to that larger vision where he says, Father, you understand things I cannot understand. You're, you're working on things that I can't know. But here's the thing. I choose you. I trust you. And so Job chose that repentance of a small vision. And obviously God goes on to bless him in a multitude of ways. But the point is, the story ended powerful and well right at that point. Even if we didn't have all the details of how God continued to bless Job, Job chose that larger vision of God. And it changed the rest of his life. And if, uh, if you'll turn to Psalm 56, and I alluded to this last week, but let's go straight to it. And in Psalm 56, we have that very humble recognition from David where he says, 
when I am afraid. And one of the things that I know is, is I know this, and I'm serious. I know that many of you already have witnessed God's provision and care through the current situation. Many of you have had opportunity to encourage others in their fear. Many of you are already taking great strides forward in defying fear and overcoming fear. And we still get to recognize, but even if today I'm encouraging that other person in their fear, tomorrow morning I might face a moment of fear. And I will need to remember this. That David says that in, in his moment of fear, starting at verse 3, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. And he goes on to declare the faithfulness of God in a, in a multitude of ways. But I like this. Let's go down to verse 9. This I know, that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. And in verse 12, he, he says this, your vows are binding upon me, O God. So here out of, out of this passage, we see the same thing that in Psalm 56, we get to start with the fact that when I'm afraid, I'm going to go do something. I'm going to put my trust in God. But then I'm also going to go to the Word. Because the Word gives me this. The Word gives me the vows of God. The Word gives me the promises of God. The Word gives me what God has said toward me. And I like the way he puts it. Those vows, those vows are binding. They're solid. They're trustworthy. They cannot be broken. And he says, and I will render then thank offerings to you. So again, right in the middle of fear, I get to go, I don't know why I'm making all these lines. I get to go to thankfulness. Which again, sounds insane to the world that right in the middle of a scary situation, you and I get to go to God. We get to remember things he's promised. We get to remember things that are true about his, his heart and his attitude toward us. And then we get to thank him right in the middle of the fearful moment, right in the middle of the fearful situation. And as we continue with that thought, so again, this, he says out of that, God is for me. And that fits beautifully with Romans 8.31, where he says, if God is for me, who can be against me? And we sing that song pretty often, uh, not, maybe not even often enough, but we sing that song in our worship times. Uh, if God is for us, who can stand against? And the implication is that a disease, a fearful culture, um, a government that might not always make the wisest decisions, in fact, sometimes might even make foolish and destructive decisions, that the economy, 
that what's happening in my bank account, what's happening in my job, a multitude of things might look like they stand against me. But God is really trying to get us to take on a new mindset and a deeper deeper understanding that leads to this larger vision that if God is for me in real life, right here on the planet, in real life, if God is for me, none of those things can stand against me and prevail against me for God's purposes. And in that, I want us to go to Second uh, Timothy chapter 1. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, we have uh, an admonition that Paul is giving to his young protege, Timothy. And I'm sure, again, many of you are very familiar with this. But in 2 Timothy 1, starting in verse 6, Paul says this, For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. So this Second Timothy passage is saying, again, right in the middle of fear, instead, we get to choose love, we get to choose power, and we get to choose discipline. And a couple of things out of this, that word fear, I don't know if you're seeing that screen, but let me get rid of that. That word fear, one of the things that's buried in the, in the Greek meaning of that, it's not just a feeling of fear. It means that there's something in front of me that I'm afraid of, and I bow down to it. I surrender to it. I give in to it. And so Paul is reminding Timothy, Timothy, there will be nothing in front of you that scares you that you have to bow down and surrender to, but instead you get to address that thing with love and power and discipline. And that leads us right into the next thing. Which is a larger vision of the purposes of God. Where did, where did it go? Well, I'm going to keep talking. My screen disappeared. But if people can hear me, I'm going to keep talking. Because he goes on to say, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death, brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So that recognition that he's actually giving us this reminder right in the face of fear, you and I get to remember two things out of this passage. First of all, Paul is reminding Timothy, Timothy, whatever you're facing, you are gifted for it. Ridge, if you want to try to reshare and see if that brings your screen back up. 
Okay. Ha have I continued speaking, even if my... Uh... Yes, you're still... Okay, good. So one of the things he's reminding Timothy out of this passage... Uh, disappeared again. As he's reminding Timothy out of this passage is, Timothy, you are gifted for this. So that gets to be one of the things you and I keep remembering, that whatever we're facing, whatever turmoil we're facing, whatever we have to deal with in our families, whatever we get to deal with with family and, and friends and relatives and neighbors, co-workers, that we keep remembering with God in a peaceful agreement. Father, I'm prepared for this moment because of you. I'm gifted and prepared for this moment. And everybody's gifts are different. But because of God's faithfulness, you and I are prepared. And he goes on to say, not only that, but in verse 9, that you and I, in the face of that fearful situation, he has called us with a holy calling. Not according to our work. So one of the things that, that we go back to over and over and over again is how Satan wants to limit our vision of who I am in this moment or what's possible for the, me in this moment based on my history or based on your history. And one of the things we get to recognize is instead of my history, I am equipped for this moment because of the powerful calling of God. So that I not limit my expectations of God based on how I look back and see myself. So. In this passage, again, he's saying, in the face of fear, I am called to the power of love. And we have in, in second, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, perfect love casts out fear. And again, I, I mentioned that passage last week, but I want to go deeper into it right now because one of the things you and I get to recognize is that's not just for me to be comforted, that in the face of my fear, God is now giving me the comfort of his love, but that I'm also recognizing this. Right now, in the face of a fearful situation that I and many others are facing, God is actually inviting you and I to this holy calling that we would triumph right through these circumstances while we're facing all these limitations and being quarantined at home or losing income or watching that retirement account just lose future value of watching people disconnect and watching people panic and watching people do foolish things out of that panic, that right in the middle of this situation, we get to recognize my holy calling is to be God's ally in offering love in the face of fear. So there are several things that flow from, from these thoughts. And one of the things, again, is how important it is that you and I are going to the Word. And, I, and I've heard from several of you, so I know you're doing that. I know many of you are doing that. But I want to encourage all of us to be doing that. That we're going deeper into the Word to gather promises. We're going deeper into the Word to memorize promises. We're going deeper into the Word to ponder promises and to picture the character and the nature of this larger, more powerful, more sovereign, more loving more present, more involved God than we've ever seen before. And that like Job, we could say, Father, I've heard these things before with my ears, but now with eyes of faith, 
I'm learning to see you for the God that you really are. And out of that, that we would be equipped to love others more effectively. And as always, I would encourage for myself, for each one of us, that we'd recognize, Father, help me to start that at home. Particularly if I'm quarantined at home or just limiting my involvement by staying at home. That my husband, my wife, my brothers, my sisters, my parents, my kids, Father, that there would be an ongoing commitment of the heart, an ongoing agreement with you that right in the middle of all these scary things, I am absolutely determined to grow in loving the people that you've put around me. And then that gets to extend out of the home that even if there's limited contact, there might be somebody who can't get out to do their groceries, something that simple, but somebody comes to mind and you call them and go, can I go get something for you? Can I provide something? Can I bring something by? And that, that that might be for a fellow believer. It might be for an unsaved neighbor. And that we're not doing it as a strategy. We're doing it as an expression of the genuine love of God flowing through us toward them. So again, that we're, we're saying I need to learn to think like a son or daughter of God. I need to learn to speak like a son or daughter of God. So that when people hear how you and I are dealing with this, very seriously, that they wouldn't hear fear in our predictions. They wouldn't hear pessimism. They would hear faith in a living God who's active on my behalf. And not because I give predictions that I don't know. So my faith in God isn't that I can predict when the current situation will end. My faith in God isn't that I can predict that my, uh, my retirement account will go back up. My faith in God isn't that I will not get a disease. My faith in God is that his powerful purposes can be accomplished through me, no matter what set of circumstances I face, and that others would hear me thinking and talking like a son of God or like a daughter of God. But then out of that thinking and out of that talking, that we would also go to doing, that we would go give ministry to somebody, starting with our own family, that, that however long the current situation lasts, one thing that would come out of that is that other people would say, it was great being home with mom. It was great being home with dad. It was great being home with my kids or grandpa or grandma or whoever's in your home because I could tell they were loving me more effectively. Not they were barely putting up with me and uh, I was a constant irritation, but they were actively loving me. And that's supernatural. That's something we get to pursue with God with the recognition. The power of Jesus Christ dwelling within you and dwelling within me means we are powerfully equipped to go do love for others. And I'm going to extend that to one specific piece of homework, so to speak, that I'm going to encourage for all of us. Uh, most of you have the GBF list. Um, just the directory that lists the people who are regular attenders in our fellowship. And especially for those who might have more hours at home, I'm going to ask that each of us would commit to this. That each week here in GBF, each one of us would find time during the week to pray for every single person on that list. And if there are some that you know in our particular struggles or difficulties, Absolutely pray for them more. Absolutely uh, offer what you can for the ones you already know. 
but that as part of our prayer, when we're praying for each individual on that list, that we're heart, our hearts and our minds are open for the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes while you're praying for somebody, God's actually going to say, call them, reach out to them, comfort them, encourage them, ask if you can pray with them. So that right at the moment, and Satan really is planning and thinking this, right at the moment when the enemy is literally believing that he can damage the depth of our fellowship, that he can damage the sense of connection in our fellowship, that you and I would rise above that with the authority and the power of our calling in Christ to say, Father, we are going to deepen the connection of our fellowship. We are going to go grow stronger in defeating the enemy by loving each other more effectively, praying more consistently. You know, since, since January 1st, we've, we've been studying things out of the Word of God of how to pray for one another. Man, we should be digging those up and going, okay, let's get to it. Let's really get to it of applying all those things out of the heart of God to pray for one another. And to even have that list in front of us so that we're saying, Father, even if half these people I don't even know yet, and even if there's a few I don't even particularly like, these are my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, and I will defeat the enemy by hearing my calling and recognizing I am gifted with power in the presence of God for prayer. I'm going to go do spiritual battle on behalf of each of these, my brothers and sisters. And when you get to somebody and you see their list of children, Pray for those children. Pray for their relationship with God to, to be growing through this so that nobody on that list gets neglected. And then if there are others that God brings to mind, obviously be praying for them too. But let's determine that out of, out of fear, right in the face of fear, we grow a sound and disciplined mind. We get busy with the purposes of God. We agree with our gifting and our calling to do loving purpose as our defiance of fear. And God loves that. You and I get to choose the thing that God is delighted in, is that we would make a commitment to draw closer to him, to enjoy his love in the face of fear, which is perfect. And even though ours will never be perfect, that we're also choosing alliance with him to share love with others. And I know that many of you already have that commitment, and we get to keep growing in it. And again, there's always one final purpose uh, that we talk about real frequently, but it's worth keeping on our front burner. But in Romans 8, 26 through 30, God makes it real clear that everything we face, everything we face, is already woven into his plan to conform us into the image of Christ. So I would really encourage each of you, I pray for myself that, and, and for each of you, that we would actually go into God's presence and say, Father, Show me how to grow more like Christ during this situation. Things are bizarre. Things are strange. Things are different. Some things are being damaged. Our economy that was just a few weeks ago was just roaring strong is now knocked to its knees in just literally a matter of days. And God is not intimidated by that, and none of his purposes can be thwarted. And that's part of what David the psalmist said is, Father, your purposes cannot be thwarted. I get to trust that your purposes remain binding for me. 
and I'm sorry we lost the screen for me to write things. Um, I don't know how that happened, and we'll keep figuring out uh, the technology. But let's pray together. Father, I thank you that your sovereignty and your power are unassailable. And Father, your word is full of promise after promise after promise that no one and nothing in the universe, and finally, Father, certainly not a, a tiny little virus, nothing in this universe is outside the reach of your sovereignty and your binding unbreakable promises for your sons and daughters. Father, I thank you that in Philippians 4.19, you've already given all of us this promise, that you will reach into your riches to supply our needs. And Father, especially right now when our economy is shattered, I pray that you would be helping us to remember that the economy was never our peace and security. It never was, Father. And even when it looked good and, and even when business was cooking, the truth was you were always our only security. And all this does is expose that truth. So Father, I pray that you would be helping us to come to you with gratitude and praise that you personally will supply our needs. And Father, lots of wants will go untended in the days ahead. But our needs are absolutely guaranteed to be provided for out of your riches. And Father, your riches might come out of our labor or someone else's labor on our behalf. Your riches might come out of um, some benefit that the government bestows. Your riches might come out of a total stranger who offers us help. Father, your help might come, your provision might come out of just taking the little we have and stretching it further than we ever expected. But here's the bottom line, Father. You have a million ways to do this, but you will prove faithful. And Father, I pray for, for moms and dads and husbands and wives and heads of single heads of homes that right now, all of us would be looking at our domain and proclaiming out loud, Father, you're the one who will provide for our needs. We choose you. We choose your faithfulness. And whatever your methods, we want to praise you and thank you ahead of time. You will prove faithful. Father, help us to have a larger vision of who you really are. A larger vision of your power and your faithfulness. And a larger vision of your purposes, unbreakably strong right now in all the situations we face. And Father, there are some people in our fellowship that are facing really difficult situations. And I pray that as a body, we would be wise to care for them, encourage them, comfort them, and help carry them out of the riches of your provision. We agree on these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So before we all go, um, uh, there's a rumor that Vanita... Van Allen is turning eight years old tomorrow. And this might be a little, this might be a little weird the way this works out because people's voices may show up at different times, but we're going to try to sing together. Happy birthday. And um, if there are other birthdays, we're going to see how this one works this week and we'll, we'll cover other birthdays next week, but I'm going to, I'm going to unmute everybody right now. And, um, and then uh, once I've unmuted you, you should see a message that says you know, that you're, uh, you're allowed to unmute yourself.
So, um, I'm going to give you all a minute. Okay. Yeah, you can have it. If you, if you have more than one device in the same room, turn one of them off because otherwise we'll get. <laughs> okay, the echo is bad. Yeah. So anybody who's got more than one device in a room, please turn one of them off. Steven. No, like turn the whole thing off. All right. Let's see if we can make this happen. It's going to be ha. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to and I would just say this as well. Uh, if any of you put in comments or questions, I'll look over those and I will plan to send out an email uh, to the GBF fellowship addressing those comments or questions. <laughs> 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 no.